Welcome back to the Physiomatters podcast. My name is Jack March and this is session 103. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Physiomatters podcast and I am mad excited to be back behind the microphone, not done it for a little while and we're going to talk about things that I am personally interested in. So osteoarthritis of course. In this session of the Physiomatters podcast we are going to talk to Giles Leeming who is a clinical specialist orthotist working for OSSA UK and he is involved in designing and managing unloader braces particularly in this we are going to talk about medial unloader braces for the knee and how they might help osteoarthritis who they might help when we should offer them to patients and how we might improve the outcomes with these braces we do try to delve into how the braces might work in osteoarthritis and also I try to play devil's advocate a little bit on how they may or may not interact with the biological system of a human really enjoyed this episode if you want to find out more from OSSA who we are super grateful for sponsoring this episode then there is a link in the show notes or you can just go to ossa.com but the link in the show notes will take you specifically to their unloader 1x brace which is their newest medial offloader brace and that's the one that we talk about mostly with Giles in this session and it's pretty impressive if you ask me from the way it looks the way it handles the way it um, functions and if you stick right to the end of the episode if you're watching on YouTube then you can see the brace in action a little bit on some of our patients then you can see the brace in action on one of our patients as well I'll be back at the end for a bit of a debrief. Don't forget to check out everything related to Physio Matters. Just go to physio-matters.com, especially the events we've got coming up. And I will see you at the end of the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Giles today. And we're going to talk all about offloader braces, mainly medial offloader braces for uh, knee pain, specifically osteoarthritis. So first order of business, I suppose, Giles, would you mind introducing yourself to the audience and what your day to day job is? Um, so my name's Giles Leeming. Uh, I'm a clinical specialist orthotist with OSSA. Um, so uh, I'm in a clinical role within uh, a manufacturer of orthoses um, and we effectively are supporting clinicians um, and supporting patients uh, to get the best outcomes from, from races, basically. Perfect. And so what was your normal, if there is such a thing as a normal day, what, kind of, what would that look like? Um, so it's a bit of a mix, really. Um, I previously I used to used to work in in North Europe, and I was I was basically one of those people that came and troubleshooted and and turned up and hopefully fixed uh, complex problems with with a lot of our orthoses um, and a lot of training. Uh, my job in the last eighteen months or so has changed a little bit, uh, so I work for the Global Academy. Um, so we do a lot of sort of training and education, a lot of sort of digital uh, training, uh, these types of things. So less less patient than I used to be um but yeah certainly all, all very much orthotic related throughout um and so 
With regards to um, the braces themselves, mm-hmm. so like I say, I want to kind of concentrate on the medial offloader braces just yep. for simplicity's sake. I know there are other types as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit just generally about the construction of a medial offloader brace, what the aim of that is, yep. um, and then we can go from there. Okay, so effectively with a with the medial unloader, what we're trying to do is really affect and change where the load is being taken within the joint. So you have, uh, in this case, medial osteoarthritis. The joint uh, is is damaged uh, as a part of the disease process. And effectively, you know, you have another compartment to some extent that, that is perhaps more able to take that load. What the brace is trying to do is try and reduce the load on the pain creating area basically so it's trying to trying to affect um the pain for the patient and that's the ultimate aim for them really um you're you're trying to reduce the pain target the the cause of the pain rather than for example you know the mainstay of treatment for osteoarthritis is often sort of pain medication and these sorts of things they're really aiming at the symptom they're not actually sort of affecting the biomechanical cause um, of the problem so with an orthosis it's very very specific Mm -hmm. to that joint um, and it really is trying to mechanically change how the load is borne through that joint and we've seen you know, you Google braces and there is a billion yep. variations from your humble piece of elastic mm-hmm. uh, up to, I'd say a medial offloader brace is probably up there with the most technical, isn't it, for yep. these kind of conditions. Um, so tell me a little bit about, just to begin with, what's the kind of main, would you would you say the main difference between the cheaper braces and, you know, marketing would on those would say anything. I mean, you've, yeah. we've all read they probably somewhere on some of them say they offload the joint somehow. Yes. Um, so what would be the main differences, would you say, there from from that kind of actual mechanical perspective? So it's a tricky area. So any orthoses is, is basically lumped together in the eyes of patients and to some extent in the eyes of clinicians. And the important thing to think about is what effect is it is it having um so you know a sleeve you're effectively going to be applying a compressive force you're going to have a proprioceptive benefit for that patient um however it's not affecting any mechanical change it's not really affecting how the joint functions in any way the kind of next progression from that is again kind of sleeve based but something with hinges perhaps a little bit more supportive perhaps a little bit more mechanical stability and certainly historically you would then think about a brace that's much stronger so um you know we always use the example of sort of skiing braces for example so a, a very strong very rigid uh frame um designed to stabilize that joint and that's kind of where arthritis braces started really they took these rigid braces um and changed a few pads changed a few straps maybe and then tried to use them to for, for these types of patients for for patients with oa but the reality is it's important to have something that's designed from the ground up for the patient group. So if you think about someone with OA, they may have associated hand conditions, you know, poor dexterity, for example. Um, it needs to fit in with their life in a way that a big bulky brace might not. Um, so 
with OA braces, true OA braces, they're designed very much from the ground up uh, to suit not only the mechanics of what's going on, but also really trying to think about the patient group. You know, not too complicated, not too many straps, not lots of Velcro, these types of things. Because effectively, a lot of patients rely on them and they need to wear them day to day. So we need to make them something that's quick, easy and fits in with their lifestyle. So I think there's a lot more sort of holistic considerations mm. with, with that sort of thing. Yeah, I think every physio and probably orthotist as well remembers trying to fit an ACL brace after surgery and all yep. the millions of bits of Velcro. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then trying to get someone to do that for themselves is not very easy, is it? It's always the look of horror on yeah. the patient's, uh, patient's <laughs> eyes when uh, you're, you're putting something complex together and they're like, do I have to do this afterwards? And, it, you know, with any orthosis, it, it, obviously the, the reason you're fitting it is important, but it's important to think about patient suitability mm. um, just because there are patients that aren't suitable for these types of devices um you know it, it's not like a pill that you take in the morning it requires a level of commitment mm-hmm. um and it's important that they're used in the right patients you'll get the best outcomes from there so yeah let's follow that train of thought so who uh, describe an ideal patient for me for a medial unloader i suppose so effectively, the important thing is diagnostics, really, making sure that you have a patient that is is diagnosed, in this case, with medial, medial OA. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, traditionally, it would always be, you know, have we had a radiograph or whatever? The reality is probably a clinical assessment is much more, much more accurate. Um, so you've isolated the fact that there is one, one compartment of the knee that is affected. Um, and... Then there are other considerations that that you need to think of. So from a patient point of view, uh, are they likely to be able to fit it into their lifestyle? Um, And that kind of takes on all sorts of things. So, um, you know, if they're wearing very, very tightly fitted clothing, then and that's a very big part of their life. Uh, I know a strange thing to say, but we regularly get asked these types of things. perhaps that this isn't the type of thing that they would go for but in reality it would fit with normal clothing and that type of thing um so it's important to consider the patient themselves mm-hmm. um things like dexterity and and that sort of thing do come into come into play but there are options uh with that um but but really it's a you want you know good skin condition uh and you know trying to avoid things where you have uh, it's not necessarily a contraindication, but sensitivity issues, so any any um, neurological impairment um, or, or volume changes can also, it's not a contraindication, but lack of sensation and volume changes in the leg is something that requires a higher level of maintenance, both from the patient and from the clinician. So yeah. it's not, not sort of rigid contraindications as such, but they're just something to consider. Perfect. And does it seem to work different or better or or is it tolerated better in people with slightly different profiles so something like if someone's got more activity related pain versus more rest related pain for mm-hmm. as a real blunt distinct or, or they're more active versus less active is yeah. there any sort of patient populations they seem to be better in in there so point of view? the if you take, for example, the Unloader One, which has been around for 40 years, when when it was first designed, uh, we were thinking, you know, it needs to be used for sort of relatively low to moderate Kelvin Lawrence grades, for example. Um, and it actually has been found to be suitable for all grades. Um, and 
that was kind of originally a bit of a surprise, really, because even for us as a company that has designed these types of braces, we were expecting the efficacy to be more suited to those lower grades. But in reality, sort of load reduction is likely to be beneficial for any patient group with, with osteoarthritis, for example. Just, again, going back to the mainstay of normal treatment, one of the first things that you would do when you go and see a GP is they, if appropriate, would probably discuss weight management, these types of things. Um, and effectively, a, a brace is a way of addressing that relatively quickly and relatively easily um so so yeah it, it's it's to do with that really yeah so it can be more broadly applied really is yeah. what you're saying than just sort of people that want a lot out of their osteoarthritic knee yeah and it's it's we have a real range of patients and they change from someone who gets up puts their brace on mm. does not take it off until they go to bed and we have other patients that just put it on to go and walk the dog or do a specific activity and it's, it's always something i try to guide patients with and just say you know it should fit in with your lifestyle um you should use it when it when it suits you and it's mm. it's sort of you know it's very hard for us as clinicians to say definitively where at this time because their pain their activity is so personal to them I, i'm always kind of saying it should fit in with your lifestyle there will be times where you don't want a thing on your leg um or or equally you may want to to be wearing it for for longer periods of time because you know you're going to be doing an activity that would normally test your knee a little bit more yeah. so it is about educating the patient getting them to know and trust the limitations of the brace as well um and and get to know what it does and, and get it to fit in with their lifestyle. Mm, perfect. I'm just going to sidebar slightly into something you said there about wearing them for quite long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Something um, that I get questions of when I say, when I teach um, on osteoarthritis and I suggest bracing or, or, or supports is an option to use. Um, particularly physiotherapists for some reason, but they'll come back and say, well, what if people wear it too much, mm -hmm. then their muscles won't do the job. Do yeah. you, like, cause I think it's, I don't know if it's an extension from the um, cervical collars or something like that. And it's suddenly like, oh, you've put a brace on your knee so your muscles aren't going to do the job. Mm -hmm. Any evidence for that at all? So, so basically from, from an orthotic point of view, my understanding of this, and this isn't conclusive, this is uh, just uh, what I understand, mm. but, but basically from a knee point of view, this very much stems from the very widespread use of ligament braces at some stage. So when when I first when I first qualified, uh, lots of ligament braces were used postoperatively, um, and that's perhaps declined in the last few years. But one of the reasons for that is you did used to see patients with significant quad wastage associated with long term ligament brace wearing, basically. But it's it's very different with with an unloading orthosis. You're not actually uh, sort of it, you're not actually. It's very different with a, an unloading orthosis because you're you're effectively applying a mediolateral force to to the knee. You're not truly affecting the sagittal you know, range or or whatever. There is a, a degree of resistance uh, as you get to full extension, but aside from that you're not actually changing how the knee is functioning in normal function, if you see what I mean. So the patient is actually able to, to uh, do the normal things that they would do potentially without the pain. Mm. Uh, and that really is where it comes in. And, and I think, 
there has been a little bit of research looked at sort of muscle power and that side of type of thing and the, the quality of those types of papers is perhaps not where it where it's at um so but they actually found that, that there was an increase in muscle power the difficulty with that is it didn't see it didn't really look into whether it was associated with the mechanism of the brace yeah. or whether it was associated with um you know potentially if you're in less pain you might be more active therefore you get an associated increase in, in strength but i think for this type of brace it's a very different thing um its use in physiotherapy is is an area that, that we talk about a lot mm. um just because OA is such a is a disease that you really want a multitude of inputs to get the best possible outcome. So if perhaps the pain is preventing you from participating fully in your physiotherapy, if you're able to get a brace that can help them get more from their physio without that pain limitation, you're likely to get knock-on benefits with that. So I'm always a little nervous when people say, I've been given a brace, I've been told to take it off when I do physiotherapy or whatever. Mm. Obviously, there are some areas where you should, um, but if it's weight-bearing and, uh, you know, there's really no reason why potentially you couldn't keep it on and, and use the beneficial effects of it while you're doing it. Yeah, I think for me it's always been that. You mentioned about the trade-off. So, you know, it's got to be better for your muscle function to be more active mm -hmm. than to not wear your brace for a few minutes. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, like, if, if you can reduce symptoms... 20 30 percent or some whatever number i'm just picking a pick out of the air yeah. that's got to be better you know if you let's make it even more let's let's say you could walk 20 percent more mm -hmm. that's gonna be way better that for your knee function and your muscle function than yeah. not walking 20 percent more and you use the example of uh, say a cervical orthosis for example uh, I, I used to deal a lot with with these types of things mm. and you'd, you'd take them off and the patient would say oh my head feels very heavy <laughs> a very different approach you're you're aiming for immobilization with that with with an unloading brace you're 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 not restricting sagittal function in any way at all mm. um you're wanting them to to be active all you're doing is applying a mediolateral force uh to a knee so it doesn't really affect that so it's it's a very different thing but i can totally understand how people draw that parallel yeah for sure lovely so i want to talk a bit about there's two components to how the braces work. I want to talk literally how the braces work. So yep. what are they doing to the knee from mm -hmm. a mechanical point of view? And then we'll talk about sort of symptoms and a, um, and a biomechanical point of view, I suppose. Yep. So just talk me through. So you, you've just said to me, to us uh, there that the, we're providing a media lateral force onto the knee. Mm -hmm. How does the brace do that on a, on a, mechanical level what is the brace how is it built so that it applies that force okay so orthotists always talk about this three-point pressure effectively and the way to consider that is if you're trying to effectively bend a straight piece uh you would have to apply three points of pressure so if you hold a pen in front of yourself you, you effectively uh, holding it horizontal mm -hmm. you would sort of push up with your thumbs and push down with the palms of your hand to to apply a bending force to a straight member for example um with an unloader you're applying a three point pressure in order to reduce the load in that compartment now that can be done in a, a variety of different ways and different bracing companies do it in, a, in in many different ways and effectively these kind of boil down to a, a push or a pull so you're either pushing with a hinge or you're pulling with a strap for example um, and the important thing to consider with that is the underlying structures 
um, and the surface area that you're applying this through. So effectively, it's the same with all orthoses, spinal or whatever. The bigger surface area you have, the less point pressure you're going to apply. So with any brace, the ideal is biomechanically that you'd have a very large brace, very large surface area, and then the point pressures would be very low. Mm -hmm. However, if you wheel out a very large brace, the patients will not not thank you for it. Um, so it's about finding that balance. Um, and in the case of of an unloader one, for example, we use a strap setup uh, with large shells in order to do that. Um, and it's just it's there's different ways of doing it, but it's about applying pressure on pressure tolerant surfaces um, rather than. Uh, when I when I originally trained, you train in prosthetics and orthotics, and I always use this example. But if you're building a socket on a transtibial amputation, one of the things that you do is you avoid the bony bits and you push on the the muscle bellies, these types of things. And it's a similar setup when you're using an, a, a you know a, a medial unloader, for example. You want to apply pressure on pressure tolerant areas. Mm. You want to avoid putting pressure on on areas that are sensitive. So I suppose you're looking at a balance, as you just mentioned, between how much force can we apply to this mm -hmm. area? Can we make that area as small as possible, but that increases the force? Yes. And then also the amount of force sort of in total. So I assume that you could make... Um, you could make an unloader brace that provided almost no pressure mm -hmm. and would be tolerated extremely well, but would do nothing versus the opposite where you could make an unloader brace, which applied a hell of a lot of pressure. Yeah but wasn't tolerated. So I assume there's a butter zone somewhere. Yes, exactly. And it's about finding that sweet spot between patient compliance, cosmesis, mm -hmm. what does it look like? Is it big? Is it bulky? Uh, and and also biomechanical function because you, you, could, you could provide from an engineering perspective an incredible amount of, uh, of force. The reality is we have lots of limiting factors. So the skin, the mm -hmm. soft tissue, the muscles, these types of things patient associated uh things that may influence that so i've already mentioned about edema neurology um neuropathy sorry um but you know these things are all influence how much pressure pressure you can apply um so it's about finding that sweet spot between all of those factors yeah absolutely absolutely so let's talk a little bit about then the biomechanics of what's actually happening at the joint with these uh, um with these braces so mm -hmm. we're looking at um, and, and we talked pre prior to the recording, um, and I, I was under the impression, turns out potentially incorrectly, that um, the braces were applying the force, but it wasn't necessarily truly unloading the, the medial compartment, but was more of a neuromuscular, like we see in the foot. So you, a lot of the research for sort of foot orthoses, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really change the biomechanics of the foot, but it changes the sort of maybe the sensation or the way the muscles are functioning around the foot yeah. um, and that kind of thing. So uh, that was how I was under the impression with the knee braces. Yeah. But you, you were saying that that might not be quite correct and that's slightly different to that. Yeah, so it's interesting you said before about a brace that applied a hell of a lot of force mm. and isn't tolerated. So th there was a study done um, a few years ago, but it's still, a, it's still a very valid one, but compared different types of, of, of braces. Uh, and this is one that we, we, we look at a lot. But effectively, that compared um, sort of a skiing style brace that, that pushes via the hinge mm -hmm. and you effectively change the angle of the thigh and tibial component 
to apply that pressure. It compared one a, a pull style brace with dynamic force straps so I can unload a one for example and then more simple braces. And they looked at what load was going through that compartment and they actually found that, that with uh, an unloader style orthosis there was a 15% load reduction. The interesting thing is they actually found with um, a more traditional style of brace where the hinge is pushing, a, a push style brace, um, that they actually were able to elicit in in uh, the, the test a 17% load reduction. The reality was that that wasn't tolerated. Mm. Um, so it, it, it does change the load that's taken uh, in that area. Um, and it's about shifting that load line away from that medial compartment that, that normally in most knees is taking more force than, than the lateral. So taking it away from the affected painful area uh, and and trying to to move it elsewhere mm. um and how is is there a component of neuromuscular involvement as well do you think yeah i think so i mean it, I, I think it's a combination of things mm. um that you know there, there's always a massive proprioceptive element to it as well um studies with braces are always tricky to do because how do you placebo a, <laughs> an orthosis um it is a tricky it is a tricky thing so yeah I, I do think that there is both those elements to it as well it's it's a combination of the two um and just for my interest as much as anything else how do they measure the uh, what's the mechanics of measuring the force through the medial component? So in that case, uh, if it serves me correctly, they basically 3D modeled it. Um, okay. And then um, it can be done through calivaric studies. Um, there, it is, there are people out there that have got uh, instrumented um, knee replacements. So mm -hmm. it, is, it is possible to do it that way. Um, it's certainly something that as a company we've looked into in the past um but yeah those are the those are the main things either modeling cadaveric uh or those those are really the the normal ways that it's done for sure cool so from a symptomatic point of view you you talked about obviously um the literal force on a symptomatic medial compartment um we know that that generates symptoms in a, a couple of different ways really um mostly through um sensation as much as anything else but um what about the other components to osteoarthritis so we know it's mainly um a systematic or systemic inflammatory issue which is going to generate the problem with the joint and end up with the mm -hmm. you know reduced cartilage density for uh, for one of a better turn of phrase um what what are we seeing with regards to the symptoms from the, is if you wear the braces for any period of time mm -hmm. if you then stop wearing the brace does the symptoms all come back or do we see people sort of, I suppose, accommodating, uh, accommodating to the brace is the wrong word, but improving sort of generally the sensitization of their knee because they've unloaded it for a short period of time. So there's a lot of this area is kind of anecdotal mm -hmm. um, and I can only really go from, from feedback from patients that I see. So there's, there's kind of a few elements to what you've, you've talked about there. So do patients see longer term effects from the brace? Now, one area to look at that, this is often when you see patients with, with medial compartment OA, they've got associated muscle wastage, often in the quads, these types of things. And often you will need to go back and mm -hmm. see patients again with these braces because it's very common that we see changes in the musculature um, for the better. Um, um, and, you know, 
they're, they're starting to use the their leg in a different way because they haven't got that so much of that antalgic side of things. Um, so it takes a bit of time for the patient to get used to it. Um, and it also, you know, over time, there will be changes um, in terms of how they walk and these types of things. The other thing is we often get asked by patients, you know, we were talking about this previously, but when should I wear it? Mm. What should I do with it? I always say you'll get the best out of it the more you wear it. That said, again, anecdotally, a lot of patients say that once they've been using it for a longer period of time, they actually, in effect, have a sort of hangover-ish. Mm -hmm. It's a, a negative word for a positive thing, but um, they're often saying that perhaps the, the the nocturnal pain that they might have had before is is not as much. And Again, this is not something that's been investigated, but it's fairly reasonable to suspect that the the normal level of damage and microtrauma that you might get through the day with uh, the arthritic joint surface, if we're trying to take some of the load away from that area, um, you know, potentially you're not doing the level of damage is the wrong word, but the level of trauma during the day. Therefore, um, there are sort of knock on benefits from there. So, so, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I usually sort of, um, I usually try and explain it. I'm quite, I'm quite, quite a simple bloke. I usually try to explain it to people like, if you annoy the knee, it's annoyed. If you don't annoy the knee, it stops being so annoyed. Yes. Um, and I wonder if that's got a bit of a component to it. But that from that point of view, I was then wondering, you know, when you then stop using the brace. So you have, a, you have an aggravating activity, walking, for mm -hmm. example. Use the brace, it aggravates it less. So walking's less aggravated, but then you stop using the brace, mm -hmm. and then walking's aggravating again. And so, I and I, sorry to interrupt you, but but the, I wonder if that's part of you. We talked about the the physios saying about you know muscle wasting or whatever, yeah. but I wonder if that answers some of that question. Do you yeah. see? What, do you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And it's it's kind of with these types of braces, it's not kind of necessarily in most people, normal use cases, it's not necessarily a short term thing. Mm. It's likely to be something that, that's going to be part of their management ongoing. Um, and it's important to consider that, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that they're wearing these braces the rest of their life, but we have lots of patients that have worn them for, for many years. Um, so I do think there is sort of a, a hangover effect, um, but you know, the more you wear it, the more potential benefit you'll get from that. But you have to you have to bring in the patient element to it. As I said, it, it can't fit in with every single activity all the time. So, no, I, for a normal person, it's important that you you use it to to its own benefits and wear it sometimes, and other times you don't. I think um, I'm always keen to when things sound good. I'm always keen to explore the you know the phrase too much of a good thing. It's not always good, mm -hmm. um, and so. Part of my, something I've come to an understanding of in relatively recent history, last year, two years or so, um, was I did a podcast on osteoarthritis with Professor Tonya Vincent. And she was talking about um, how osteoarthritis occurs and what happens at a, a, a cartilage level. Mm -hmm. And my brain starts to fall out of my ears as soon as she starts talking about all the biochemistry that's going yes. on. And it's, you know, very complicated. But one of the things that really struck me was she was talking about how load affects cartilage. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she was saying was that perpendicular load uh, into cartilage is what would stimulate chondrocytes and in my simplistic way, not replace the cartilage, but it makes it denser. So it's got a bit of a bit of a better cushioning effect. Yeah. 
is there a risk of wearing the brace too much if it is truly offloading the cartilage that you're then reducing that stimulating load i don't know if i'm over extrapolating a little bit but if you wore, let's say you wore the wore it all the time and you offloaded by 15% mm-hmm. and then you're then not getting that perpendicular load do you see where i'm going with this it, it, then potentially meaning you don't have so much dense cartilage so for want of a better phrase you are then reliant on the brace because when you then take it off you're then pushing down on less dense cartilage mm, and you could look at this from a bone density point of view as well yeah. um but i i think it's important to say that you know the way the brace works it's when we're not getting fresh air between those two bony sure. surfaces there will be loading um one thing that perhaps is a limit of my knowledge is whether there's a you know you will have the axial loading but you have the potential to have that for uh, more activity for these types of things and is it is it the reduction in the axial load that's not outweighed by the potential to do more i don't know that answer but it's not completely removing that load from that area and it's it's kind of it's kind of similar when you think of other orthoses, for example, like a walker boot, for example. Mm. One of the benefits of those types of things is the fact that you're able to weight bear and, and move relatively normally in, in suitable conditions, but under controlled situation. So the load is still going through that area. So from my limited understanding of, you know, I'm not, not about to uh, uh, profess about uh, the cartilage histology, but I, I think I think there is likely to be enough load that you would get that level of stimulation um and you know that could be compensated more by more activity in, in a lot of patients yeah i suppose it comes back to what we were saying before doesn't it is 85 percent of two hours going to compensate for 100 percent of one hour hmm. like i think that's probably an important distinction isn't it in in this component and i it's i still st- like i don't know why but i still struggle to believe i suppose is the right tone of phrase that that the brace can produce that much of an off like a 15 percent offload mm-hmm. to the medial compartment just just because my understanding of the forces through the knee are so great yeah um and this is going to bring me on to my next line of questioning uh, mm-hmm. really is part of me just go and i don't have knee osteoarthritis so admittedly i don't have that experience to say yes i will tolerate this thing to make that other thing better mm-hmm. so part of me goes you know I, I think walking downstairs is like four times body weight through the knee isn't it so like, and i'm then like well 15 percent of that is still a heck of a lot of force mm-hmm. to be offloading through the medial joint so then medial compartment of the joint so then that's a lot of force through the brace that's going to be uncomfortable and that's what i hear a lot of from people who not people that with the brace on but the with clinicians yeah is that the braces are great but they're not tolerated that well and i know that's a generalized to all braces probably mm-hmm. so i suppose my next line of questioning is I'm going to park my di- my slight disbelief and I'm going to believe you being the expert. It's fine. I'm not going to, let's not go over there. But my next line of question is like, let's talk about tolerance. Yes. So what can we, well, actually let's, let's walk it back. What does the brace do? We talked a little about it a little bit, but what does the brace do to improve tolerance now in newer braces comparative to the ones you were talking about a long period of time ago so in older style of braces uh they were not designed from the ground up to do these type of things they were designed to be controlling so you're wanting to control the knee in terms of motion 
Um, and that would be in the case of a ligament brace, you're wanting to try and prevent that degree of anterior tibial shift. Um, if you're designing a brace from the ground up for a specific use case, so in, in this case, uh, uh, influencing the mediolateral forces that are going to the knee, you are able, therefore, to, to take out all of the extra bits that mm. can cause problems. So in the case of, you know, some, uh, some, some unloading braces, they, you know, the unloaded one, for example, has a single hinge on one side. And that hinge is actually designed to be very flexible. And that's quite alien to a lot of people. They think the brace is quite flimsy. Um, but in reality, it's about thinking about where that force is applied. Mm. So... In this case, the hinge goes on the same size as the shells. The shells are applying the force. The straps uh, don't actually need to be sort of rigid and, and strong. They need to be strong in terms of tension. So you mentioned about how can it apply that level of force? How can it truly influence mm -hmm. that? All we're relying on in this sort of pull method is the tensile strength of straps. Um, so... Uh, in that, the straps themselves have a very large surface area. So if you think about two complete straps wrapping all the way around the leg, anything to the, the anything on that side will be a large surface area for, for applying that force. So the result of two large shells uh, and, and two large straps means that you actually have quite a large surface area for, for applying that force. The other thing is about thinking when you're applying that force as well. So we're sat here. Um, if I had knee OA, I wouldn't want an unremitting force on my knee um, because I'm not weight bearing. Mm. I'm not applying loads through my knee and my knee's probably not hurting that much. And in reality, if you think about the knee inflection, the area affected by the osteoarthritis is really in the last sort of 20 to 10 degrees. That's where you've got the most effect uh, on the, the, the cartilage. So effectively what the brace does is as you flex that force um that force is is reduced so that we're not getting that application while we're while we're sat in a flex position perfect and i part of me a lot a large part of me wonders about you know like you say if we put one of these offloaders on me mm -hmm. i bet i'd find it very uncomfortable but i don't have medial knee osteoarthritis so is it, do you think sometimes there's a little bit of a lesser of two evils where you get, you're putting a little bit of discomfort in, but it's offsetting a lot of discomfort or, or am I just feeling like it's going to be uncomfortable because I'm thinking of having that force applied to my knee. So I would, I would, I think discomfort is probably a strong term. Okay. Um, just because if they were uncomfortable, um, patients wouldn't wear them yeah um and i know there is an element of i'll put up with it a little bit because of the benefits mm. but in reality uh, it's it's important that we've, we're making something that is very very comfortable um the the thing and we're always very much talking about whenever you put a new orthosis on and this is kind of true for any orthosis really um with the exception of i don't know spinal brace where you, you shouldn't do this but it's important to, to build up the time you wear it slowly. And th that has a variety of functions. It makes your skin used to it. It makes you used to it. Um, so in terms of your perception and the proprioception of that. Um, and it's just about building that sort of tolerance and that, that feeling up. Also as well, it's about you getting to know what the brace does and trusting the efficacy of it, really. 
Um, and that does take a little bit of time, but they're, they're not, you know, we do everything we can to make them comfortable. Mm. So I, I, I understand it. And I certainly think historically that was the thing. There are plenty of sort of brutal historic <laughs> braces out there. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of a thing that's sort of been engineered out, out, out over time. Um, so yeah, that said, it's, it is something you have to put on you may have to do some degree of maintenance during the day. Um, whether that's, you know, if you've got any volume changes or you might have to tighten a strap or you can actually, with some of them, you can increase or decrease how much they, their force they're applying, for example, mm-hmm. um, which can be very useful um, if you're going, you're doing an activity that might irritate your knee. But the difficulty with that is you have to actually take that, you have to do that adjustment. You have to, you have to, 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 to uh, apply that uh, adjustment so it is tricky it is something where you have to have a degree of motivation to use um if you're expecting it to be kind of take this pill that's all that's it that's you for the day it's not that with an orthosis it requires patients to be engaged um but it's it's an interesting thing uh when i first started fitting them you kind of think well people have said to me before you put them on and the patient you know has a positive reaction to it and you think with with oa that's probably not going to happen <laughs> um just because it's a chronic condition um but the reality is very commonly you'll fit these types of braces and i always advocate that the patient goes and finds some steps a slope the things that normally cause mm. them problems and and very commonly you will actually see that they will feel a difference sort of then and there and that's a really interesting thing for me as an orthotist i'm used to saying right take these shoes these orthoses we'll we'll see you in maybe six weeks and see how things have gone and over that time you may see a, a benefit um but with these types of braces you can often see that very quickly mm. and that kind of is borne out in in some of the research as well so there have been a few studies looking at womac scores these types of things and they actually found that the beneficial effects was was felt within you know a very quick period of time um rather than it being sort of a you know use it for three months and then you will start to see an effect Mm. um that actually has been borne out that you will see it relatively soon and and that's maintained and that would probably um push back against my disbelief if that's a way of using double negative in that if you're lit if you are truly unloading the joint that's going to be quite quick response mm-hmm. whereas if you were if it was neuromuscular and you were settling the joint for one of a that's going to be a lot slower um so i think that probably re- would be reassuring data against that mm. disbelief in inverted commas for me and the other thing as well is it's it's a non-invasive intervention oh, yeah. so it's not like this is something where you're going in and changing the joint or whatever you can try these these types of intervention in combination with other things if it doesn't work, you know, there is, okay, there's, there's a cost incurred, but there's no, you're still at the same situation that you were before. So it's, it's about using these types of interventions mm. in the most appropriate patients for the most appropriate sort of activities yeah. and, and suitability, but you don't really lose anything by, by trying them, to be honest. It's a bit more reversible than an e-replacement. Exactly. So, take <laughs> brace off. Um, so, so I just, I would want to stick on tolerance for a minute with, with the people that come back to me and say, oh, my patients don't tolerate it so i'm gonna guess one piece of advice would be they're probably not building up slowly um so first first off patient comes in 
most of their pain's on walking. Give them a medial unloader brace. They're reasonably happy. What would be a average type of protocol that you would build up the use of that brace? So I used to work in a hospital that was very close to a very large shopping centre. And uh, you'd always get these patients come back and you'd give them foot orthoses, for example. And they'd say, right, well, I put them on and then I went around the shopping centre for three hours and my feet hurt. (laughs) And it's kind of like that, to be honest. So what we would generally say is perhaps wear it for two hours on the first day, um, but be careful about your activity level because it is it can be tricky you do get these patients like this is this is great i'm gonna go i'm gonna go whatever and i'm always very careful to advise against these types of things you need to spend time building up your wearing time Mm -hmm. you need to spend time building up your activity levels Uh, and even vocationally as well people say right i can go to work with this on or whatever we don't normally recommend that straight away spend you know two hours the first day and slowly increase that over time both wearing time and activity level as well Um, but i would generally say within a couple of weeks someone's normally able to wear it for longer periods of time and and do most of the activities that they would normally want to do but lots of if you're ever likely to have a problem it's likely to be you know, not wearing them in correctly. We, we provide leaflets to sort of help guide people on this sort of thing um, or fitting issues. So um, not fitting it correctly, these types of things. And that really falls on us as a, as a manufacturer of braces. We should design in the fact that it should be easy to wear. We should also try and support you with and your patients with making sure, firstly, you as a clinician fit it correctly. Um, but then also the patient has the support they need to, to continue that. Um, so, yeah, we, we do things like patient booklets mm-hmm. um, full of pictures, these types of things, or fitting videos. And we try and plaster these as, as much as we can so that, so that people can see them and, and approach them. Because you, you don't want that patient coming back in for you to adjust a simple strap that perhaps they could have fixed themselves or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's that kind of process and it's important to be really open with the patient that they, they need to wear it in slowly to get used to it. And, and, and you have patients at both ends of the spectrum with that. Yeah. I can imagine someone goes, Oh, it's not so painful now. I'll great. I'm fixed or whatever it is. And then really go and overdo it and get, then the inflammatory component kicks in the next day they really suffer for it. So I can imagine seeing that. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was, was obviously I'm, I'm guessing these aren't a blanket everybody with medial oa should get a offloader brace mm. um so are there any uh, ignore uh, other than the you know tissue tolerance parts are there any patients that you find just any reasons they just don't do well with them with an offloader brace um so effectively with a brace we're applying pressure through the skin um, and the, the underlying structures so if you have someone where that is compromised in, in some way so I've already mentioned edema I've already mentioned uh, neurological deficits for example but it can also extend to um, you know scar tissue for example it can be to do with um, I don't know psoriasis or whatever but it's about thinking about where those areas are and will the brace potentially irritate it mm-hmm. um, so it's important to think about that also as well with the with the patient group 
potentially they're from more elderly populations for example so as we get older um, the skin becomes thinner these types of things not a contraindication but considering the patient as a whole and how likely they are to to tolerate that pressure also other groups as well is if if the deformity is too great, for example, or they're just a very unusual shape, mm. there are ways of getting around this. But we would generally say sort of 10 to 15 degrees of varus or valgus is as far as you can possibly go. Um, but equally, there are some really unusual shaped legs out there and you can go down a custom brace route. Um, but that can make it tricky. Mm. Um, and also from a clinician's point of view, that can make it tricky in terms of fitting. And we would you know, always want to support people with that and, and and help and try and make things as, as as easy as possible and any any particular sort of um features of a patient that might make it really difficult like particularly tall particularly short uh, um, that kind of thing or is, is it generally you can get around that uh particularly short is probably a, a limitation just because it depends on what you're doing but if if it's a custom brace some custom braces can be made longer or shorter um some can be made any length others are made from standardized components so the, the length may be fixed so that can be tricky just because you run into um problems perhaps um on the medial side, um, you might run into problems with, with clearance for the groin, for example. That's probably one limitation. Um, too tall is not necessarily a problem. The only issue with that is is about relative mechanical advantage. If, if I was seven foot tall and you were five foot tall, um, mechanically, your unloader brace that was the same length as mine would be mechanically be applying more have a bigger lever arm for your leg than mine would because that you know that 40 to 50 centimeter brace is only a tiny proportion of, of my leg if i was so tall mm -hmm. um but the reality is it's still an applying a beneficial effect so being too tall is not necessarily a problem it's just proportions of the brace relative to my size if you see what i mean mm, for sure the other one i was thinking of and i'm going to say I'm going to say force that goes through the knee and I'm not necessarily thinking about body weight, although that would probably come into it, but I'm also thinking about people who put a lot of force through the knee. So you, you, I'm guessing at some point the brace is not able to like if you there's a there's a limitation to the brace of how much force it can resist yes so either they're lifting very heavy weights like you say occupationally mm -hmm. um or they do weigh a lot so that when they come downstairs it, where is is there a tolerance line that you've noticed or are they is it usually that actually the the skin is the issue before the brace doesn't hold that force if that makes sense so i think probably that comes down to brace selection okay so uh, if you have your approach that you would take to to a very slight patient would be slightly different from uh, from one who has a high bmi for example uh, and activity level comes into this but it's important to consider the patient as a whole um the first thing is, will the brace fit mm -hmm. um, in those very small or very big? Um, the second is, um, what activity levels are, are they going to be doing? If they're relatively sedentary, we, we might use something very different from if they're highly active. Um, and you kind of have to take all of those factors into consideration. And that's to do with appropriate brace prescription. 
And there are different ways of, of approaching that. So if, um, you know, taking the very large patients as a, as a good example, in some ways they, they do present uh, quite a challenge because mm. there's potentially a lot of soft tissue uh, that we have to think about. But in reality, they're a very interesting patient group to consider because they may not necessarily be suitable for surgery. They they may not have a lot of options available to them because of the problems associated with their with their size. Um, so we do have a lot of patients that actually use bracing um, sort of preoperative phase almost as sort of prehab. But also we have quite a lot of perhaps larger patients that use it as a way of of them uh, potentially allowing them to be more active um, with the hope of, of, of influencing their weight, with the hope of potentially going on to surgery, for example. Um, so it's, it's, it is a bit of a swing and roundabout situation, um, but appropriate brace prescription is really the key to it, I think. And patient selection, that don't fit them on everybody. <laughs> consider, <laughs> consider the patient as a whole consider the positives and negatives of their situation and with some people it's absolutely the right thing to say mm. do you know what i don't think you necessarily want this and i don't think you'll necessarily get on with it um the last thing we want is for s someone to be giving a brace and them not using it and uh you know it, it really boils down to patient selection and, and picking the most appropriate orthosis to fit the patient holistically yeah for sure i think from my point of view um again when i when i teach about some of this stuff i find the hesitancy is from the healthcare professional do you find similar um i i feel like the it, the health the physios and, uh, and osteos and stuff they want to push the bracing down the list mm -hmm. and they want to prefer things like education exercise weight loss those kinds of interventions over the brace do you find similar or um, I think I think there's a lot of historic opinions on, uh, and it's tricky, bracing as a collective term lumps in so many different things. Um, and it can be, uh, you know, you go do parkrun, for example, as I do, and I see a variety of straps and things on people's legs. And, you know, those are clubbed in with braces. Um, but in reality, they're, some of them do absolutely nothing and others do do more things and i think that's a limitation of bracing as a whole because they're all different they all do do different things and as, as you said earlier kind of an unloader from a functional point of view is is very different than perhaps a simple strap or whatever and i think sort of combating that or thinking about that the important thing to consider is all of those things you you, you mentioned before should be considered with this as an intervention as well so wearing a brace will will not have any negative effect at all on your physiotherapy input you could argue that influencing the pain would actually give you benefits from that you could use walking aids if you want to you could, those can be done with a brace and really what i think is more important for people to do is consider how these types of interventions can be used together in order to get the best outcome um, I think that's more likes to be more effective for the patient. Perfect. Yeah, uh, I think I I try and push the bracing slightly higher up people's like you say it's here's the list of options mm -hmm. um, and their sort of relative effectiveness. 
what because we know that like you said if you try and use one intervention osteoarthritis then it won't work no. pretty much irrelevant of which one it is and i think keeping it within the options that are provided to the patient i think is a really good option and it's i, I feel that there's been a real shift in recent times so historically kind of surgery was the gold standard <laughs> and that was what patients push for and to some extent that was what clinicians push for uh and it's so much more definitive and it, it absolutely has a you know a fantastic role mm. to play again in the right patient so it really is about thinking about what conservative measures can be used how they can be used together to to potentially manage that patient before surgery or potentially hopefully prevent that patient from requiring that surgery um, and, and again, there have been some studies done on this looking at whether the use of an unloader style brace is, is cost effective and effective uh, in, in patients that are waiting for surgery. And it, it is something that has had a, you know, a positive outcome with that. They, they do find that it gives similar benefits at eight year follow up to, to a, a total knee replacement. So. Yeah, you just gone on to ask, answer my last question, which, okay. was, which was the sticky question of cost, because they, they are relatively expensive. Mm -hmm. Com we mentioned about, you know, a sleeve. I could go around the corner to the chemist and I could buy a sleeve for anywhere from about four pounds to about, well, I don't yeah. know, you could go on the internet and find one for a few hundred, couldn't you? A neoprene type sleeve. Mm -hmm. And these are obviously more expensive than that. Um, so you've just sort of answered that question and uh, they have been shown to be cost effective. Mm -hmm. They are obviously going to be cost prohibitive to some individuals, um, and that's always going to be the case with with some interventions that require cost. But mm -hmm. just to elaborate on the cost effectiveness a little bit, um, do you find in in your experience with patients who you know are, are they umming and ahhing over should I pay out this money for the brace? Um, and I know sometimes it's on insurance and that kind of thing, but I'm talking about self-paying patients, really, if that's yeah. possible. Um, and and then coming back going, okay, I'm glad I did spend that money. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And something, so as a company, OC UK, with, with an unloader, for example, we have sort of a 30-day money back sort of guarantee with it. Uh, and effectively, if the patient comes back and says isn't for me mm. um we will we will accept the brace back at no cost for the brace um the, the clinician is free to charge whatever treatment time or whatever um but we actually our returns with that i, I don't know the recent figures but our returns in that instance is i think it was 2.3 percent a couple Goodness. of years ago mm. so it, it's important that people are reassured with that um, there is a cost associated with it. And um, you mentioned about private paying or, or with insurance. The Some of the insurers now, and AXA is a perfect example, are, are really progressive with considering these types of interventions. So if as a private practitioner, normally you are able to charge for your treatment time, but not necessarily the orthosis, uh, insurers like AXA uh, are fully covering these types of interventions because they can see from the research, they can see from the results that actually patients are wanting to have something conservative that, that will uh, benefit them rather than necessarily going down that surgical route. So it, there has been a, a definite shift uh, recently. Um, and equally, unloader braces are used in in a bit of a variety of different situations as well. So it's not necessarily purely osteoarthritis. There are 
um, they are sometimes used in terms of a, a preoptive assessment tool for high tibial osteotomies, unicompartmental uh, knee replacements, for example, because you're in effect applying a similar sort of biomechanical effect that the the surgery later will do. So they they're often used as a as that kind of uh, almost a predictor of of, of outcomes uh, for those types of situations. Equally, they can be very useful in patients who've got um, degenerative meniscal pathologies as well something that's you know very tricky to manage uh, especially from a physio point of view um you know if we're able to to affect the load on that degenerative meniscus it can potentially be beneficial perfect brilliant um i've found the conversation absolutely fascinating it's really you know genuinely interesting to me this area and i think there is a lot of um a lot of places for it to go with you know tinkering with the braces for example and mm-hmm. uh, um, customization of them and and that offloading we've not even touched on the <laughs> other component like the lateral uh, compartment or multi-compartment i think there are lots of options which is great um just the final bit for you personally anywhere that people can find more information um social media um anywhere you want to direct them for more information that kind of thing yeah, I mean, we've, we we have uh, sort of a variety of different platforms that, that that we have these things in. I think key things is is uh, with using braces is is leveraging things like user fitting videos and clinician fitting videos, these types of things. Uh, obviously, we we have sort of Instagram and Facebook and these types of things as well. So there's lots of information out there, um, and I think it's good for people to see how these things work and and really really want people to consider the mechanics of of, of what they're doing because they're you know we talked about less effective orthoses and more simple orthoses just think about how and what they're what they're doing and how they're applying that that force so brilliant absolutely brilliant to chat to you thank you very much for your time and um, i'm sure we'll end up revisiting similar conversations in the future thank you very much Well, I am delighted with that episode. One of my favourite ones to record so far. Really good chat with Giles. He certainly knows his stuff and he certainly knows medial offloader braces. As I alluded to within the podcast, I think there's definitely a role for these braces for the right person. And I think it's definitely an option, especially if patients have medial osteoarthritis um, and they want to have something to try to reduce the symptoms it's certainly worth trying and of course as they mentioned there's this money back guarantee so the expense yes it is a factor and certainly will be cost prohibitive for some patients but if there's a money back guarantee then it is worth a try for a number of patients and hopefully we will see some um, improvements in their symptoms. We're going to be using this in our clinic in Choose Health, um, so certainly something we are going to back to a degree in the right person alongside um, really good graduated rehab as well. Um, So we're going to uh, be using those braces. As I mentioned right at the beginning of the show, please do check OSSA out. So you can go to OSSA.com or if you click the link in the show notes, it will take you to more information about their Unloader 1X brace. If you want further information or you want to ask questions of OSSA um, themselves, then you can email ukinfo at ossa.com. And there's also a phone number in the show notes as well, if that would be your preference. 
As far as Physio Matters stuff goes, we've got more podcasts on the horizon. And don't forget, you can also access our library. Just go to library.physio-matters.com forward slash register and you can join the biggest and best MSK library uh, just for the measly sum of £15 a month and you'll get access to well over 500 videos. Um, You can map it if you are doing advanced practice portfolio and also you get free tickets to all of our events that we run as well. So I have been delighted to do this episode and super excited to do the sign out as well which is a a rarity for me these days. You've been listening to the Physio Matters podcast discussing physio matters because physio matters. Bye for now.